Hi, and welcome to another edition of Pull Yourself Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. I'm Jessica. And we're back with some book recommendations. And we also have a special guest joining us at the end of the show. Yes, another Jessica. Another Jessica, yes. It's true. We <laughs> call each other um, alternately Jess, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So yeah. she calls me Jess. I call her Jess. It all works out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, so... Jessica. Yes. <laughs> um, what were you reading while you were road tripping? <laughs> well, while I was road tripping, um, I read, and I'm using air quotes, I listened to a lot of books, which was wonderful. Uh, there's one that I've been very interested in called Axiom's End. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Lindsay Ellis, which I did not realize was a YouTube sensation when I started the book. Oh, I had no idea Yes, either. Well, she does. She has an extensive following. and um, which, uh, But I was interested in the book because science fiction, written by a woman, um, it's nice to see that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it has been popular in the store, and so I was very curious. Um, it's not a genre that I often read, but when I do, I really enjoy it. So, um, so we listened, and it was a good 13 to 14 hours with mm-hmm. um, to Axiom's End, and it is a first contact story. Okay. It takes place in the recent past, interestingly, in the George Bush era. era. Um, <laughs> George II, not George I. Right. So um, all of the drama that we thought was drama that was going on with him is in the book. Um, it sort of pales in comparison to the actual drama that's currently going on, which is also interesting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but the main character is a, um, is a young woman. She has um, left college in California, and she's living at home with her mom and her two younger siblings. And she is not having a good time of it. Uh, she's a little scattered and disorganized, and she's just doing temp work and kind of has a somewhat normal in this situation mother-daughter relationship. So their relationship is is not perfect. Okay. Um, her younger younger sister, um, her younger sister, is um, about eight or so, okay. and she has a brother who is in the preteen era. Their father has left. Um, he is a sort of Julian Assange type character. And he has a news service called the Broken Seal, in which he reveals all kinds of state secrets. Okay. And um, he is currently living outside of the United States because he's wanted in the United States. Um so they're living in this weird world where people kind of know, well, everyone knows who her father is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she very much doesn't want to be associated with him. Um, they have a love-hate relationship because he left the family. And, um, and then very weird things start to happen. Okay. And... Um, There is a leaked document, and this is all in the beginning of the book, um, about the Frenda document, and it's about interactions with alien species that have been going on for quite some time. Okay. And so 
from there, I don't want to give too much away because the action unpacks both quickly and slowly. Okay. Um, but from there, she, her family is ultimately, be, through a weird series of events, taken into custody. Um, she manages to escape from that and makes actual contact with one of the aliens. Okay. I've been I've been curious about this one, like you said, because it has been sort of popular at the shop. It's one of the ones like we don't tend to have a ton of pre-orders for books that are not kind of well-established authors. Like mm -hmm. we'll have pre-orders for like the new John Grisham book or you know something like that. But this one we actually had. Well, I think a few pre-orders. Yeah, she has the initial following. Yeah. When I mentioned to my daughter-in-law that I was listening to this book she was immediately like oh my gosh please send me a copy of that right now I want to read it so badly I love Lindsay Ellis okay um well so I picked up a book um that we actually there was another kind of zoom um publisher event mm -hmm. that Jessica and I attended with um Harper Collins and this book is Harper Collins um uh, I think they call it their like lead read, which is basically the one book on their fall list that like the whole company is kind of behind, mm -hmm. regardless of imprint or whatever. Um, and the book is called Hench, which and it's by Natalie Zena Walshots. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, just from the blurb on the back of this book, it was right up my alley. Um, it involves superheroes and supervillains and accounting. Yes. Uh, yes. And so. Uh, yeah, so it's checking all the boxes for the nerd that I am that has an <laughs> accounting degree and reads a ton of comics. The main character in this um, is a hench. Mm -hmm. And so she um, basically works as a temp, as a um, lackey for various and sundry supervillains and she does like data entry and and that kind of stuff um and so she, so the normal world that they live in has supervillains and superheroes and if anybody has watched the series the boys or read the graphic novels of the boys mm -hmm. um it's sort of that sort of same world um where you know the superheroes are not necessarily the heroes that they um, say they, they are. say they are. Yeah. They're that no one is that good. And that maybe the villains kind of have a point sometimes. I, I, I have to admit, I watched one episode of the boys and I couldn't watch it oh, anymore. I loved it. I like, I haven't finished it. It is, um, there's a lot going on there and sometimes it's very cringy and I like need to go and rock and cry in the corner, but yeah. I, um, Henry loved it. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Um, but so she, gets a job working for kind of a mid-level villain mm -hmm. and um they've got this kidnapping plot that kind of goes awry and she ends up in a confrontation with basically the superman of this universe um and she's injured as a result of it and so she's um she's convalescing and while she's convalescing she starts to think about um, the damage and the collateral damage that superheroes cause 
in the course of their their superheroing, which um, I've always wondered about. Yeah, which has always been a topic that fascinates me, and it's something that comes up. Uh, it comes up in the Marvel universe with mm-hmm. Civil War and kind of holding superheroes accountable for the mess the, they make. The, yeah. Um, so she finds this formula, and it's an actual formula that people use to determine basically the damage done by um, natural disasters, be it earthquakes, hurricanes, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it calculates um, like human lives, years lost. It calculates um, like um, what a human life year is worth economically. Um, So she starts doing these calculations with, the superhero as the natural disaster. And um, she starts publishing these findings. Um, like she'll, she'll look at like a year and what this specific superhero has cost in human lives in a year or whatever. And so she, she starts publishing them online and she come garners the, the attention of a, very well-known kind of super, super villain. And so she gets a job working for him, um, and she's basically trying to come up with a way to make the superheroes pay for the damage that they do. And it's a super interesting look at... um, at comics and like an interesting look at um like good and evil and uh there's a lot of poignancy in it actually um there it brings up a lot of actual big topics and i'm not going to say much more about it because i don't want to ruin it for anyone that wants to read it i will say um i read it in like a day it's a very quick read because it's very um very uh, action-driven. Um, it has the... I like the sort of um, multi-genre um, stuff where, you know, it's people's texts or it's, like, um, newspaper clippings and that kind of stuff. So it uses that those devices. Um, the author is a queer author, so there are um, queer characters in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's actually almost kind of, like... it's. It, Tim and I, my husband and I, both read this within kind of like a few days mm-hmm. of each other. And um, one of the things that we both remarked on is it's almost sort of like a pansexual universe. Like there's a lot of queer characters in it, and it's and, and that's not part of the plot. That's just a bunch of dis- diversity well, that exists in this world. So, uh, in in the books, in all of the well, not all of the books I've read recently, but in um, Axiom's End in um, the one, uh, Fortune Favors the Dead. And in a lot of books that I've been reading that are recent, the characters are um, sexually fluid. Mm -hmm. So they're not, um, I guess they're queer, but they're not, they're bisexual. Well, and that's, so this is interesting. Yeah, it's not part of the plot. No, 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 no. No, and this seemed to be like all the characters in it were Mm -hmm. that way. And I thought it was interesting because because we were were talking about it and we both noticed it. And I thought it was 
in this particular case, because it's an alternate mm-hmm. reality where these superheroes and supervillains exist, I almost feel like it's an alternate reality that the author is writing the world that she wishes to see in, or they wish to see. I mm-hmm. think I think she identifies as she, but um, but that it's just it's not an issue. It's just like it's just. Well, and it's it's been interesting in in um, in Axiom's End. It's just mentioned briefly, but um, and then in um, Fortune Favors the Dead, it is of issue because the book takes place in 1945. So, right. so they're living in a in a, in a world where um, where you have to be careful. Yes. So um, yeah, I have found it. I I have found it refreshing and interesting. Yeah, well, and this is kind of, it's the perfect example of what I've said I've wanted to see in books. Like, I want diverse representation in books, but I don't want it as a plot point. I just want diverse characters to exist in a world and do things, and this is kind of the perfect example of that. Right, so it just, who you have sex with, doesn't really matter yeah it's not important to, to the plot of the book yes who yeah. you actually are yeah yeah um, um but it it fired on all cylinders from like the the accounting perspective the uh, filling in equations uh the it was well it that was might be a really good, good one for my next listen yeah um, oh yeah it's a, i've already downloaded it on libro it's FM, so definitely uh, kind of lose yourself just mm-hmm. fun perfect yeah. perfect, perfect. So that brings us to another book that I really want to talk about, um, which I've been listening to and I've almost finished, called The Other Bennett Sister. I'm probably going to finish it tonight because I have to. I need <laughs> to know what happens. Um, I'm at a crucial point in the book where Mary Bennett, uh, the middle child of the Bennett family, um, who is, by all accounts of her mother, certainly, um, and her father, to some degree, a very plain girl who's outshined by all of her sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is her story, and it really goes into why she is the way she is, the conscious decisions she makes um, in her clothing and in her habits, and um, the times that she really hopes for love and affection within her family and is shunned and denied. Um, the kind of cruelty of her mother um, towards her and the neglect of her father and just the sort of teasing of her sisters, um, which she really takes to heart throughout the book. Um, it. It paints Jane and Lizzie in a, in a kind of different light when you see them through Mary's eyes. Um, I will say the gardeners come out to be as fabulous as they are in almost every um, uh, other book that goes into the, the other characters in Pride and Prejudice. Um, and in the end, um, I'll, I will only say that Mary uh, has an awakening of sorts through um, several different experiences that she has, which all help her grow. And she becomes a really wonderful and competent 
young woman, um, which you learn to appreciate throughout the book. And I, I'm right at the point where little twists are happening and um, we're coming to a bit of conflict and a resolution. And so I'm very excited to finish it. But I, I can't recommend it enough for our Jane Austen fans. Um, I have not read any of the other books about Mary. Um, this is the first one, and I really appreciate the handling of the character. Um, I have read some of the other ones, and they're not, I, they're not bad. I mean, it's like there, there are some that it's just the the where they take her character just does mm -hmm. not seem in keeping with this her character. Um, so I, I like the idea that it's handled kind of respectfully and seems to be a accurate. It is an accurate progression. Yeah, it is, um, and it is handled respectfully, and um, and it brings you know you go from her beginning through the events that happened in Pride and Prejudice and then beyond, um, and yes, I really appreciate the author's handling and her use of language is very appropriate for the time. Um, it does go into some of the politics of the time and some of the other authors that were writing at the time, almost a little bit into the persuasion territory where Anne Elliott is talking about the authors and the poetry that she loves. Um, so there is a, 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 a more of an overview in this of the world that she was living in, and I appreciate that. Um, yes, it's an excellent read. Um, well... My, this is going to be completely different like it normally is. <laughs> um, so I'm going to just talk really quickly about two um, middle grade books that I read um, and just touch on that really quickly. So I know I've talked on here before um, about a book called Premeditated Myrtle um, yes. by Elizabeth C. Bunce. So I actually read the second book in the mm -hmm. series, um, How to Get Away with Myrtle. <laughs> And um, it's interesting because Jessica and I just read um, Murder on the Orient yes. Express for a book club. And this is sort of, um, there's a jewel heist and a murder that happened on uh, a railway car. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of similarities in what's going on um, in a lot of the books I've been reading recently. But um, both the first and the second book in this series are coming out on the same day. Like, they pushed the first one back. It was supposed to be pubbed in the summer, I believe. But now they're both being pubbed in December because things have happened and they're just yes. pushing things back. Um, I cannot rave about these books enough. They're just... <laughs> Super fun. I really wish that they had existed when I was a kid because Myrtle is just a perfect kid heroine. Like, she's not perfect. She's got a governess who I, as I talked about before, just doesn't indulge her, but um, encourages her to be herself and to, to follow... Um, these she's not always a young lady of quality but she tries to be <laughs> um, well, she appreciates her yeah she appreciates her mind and that she um wants to solve these mysteries um 
And I got to say that if I were stuck on a railway car in the middle of a jewel heist where there's a murder, <laughs> I would want Myrtle there, not that goody-goody Nancy Drew. I'm just I'm what putting about, it out what there. What about our friend Trixie Belden? I never read Trixie oh, Belden. Oh, gosh. Well, they're the, the <laughs> poor woman's Nancy Drew. <laughs> yeah. Well, Myrtle, so. I, I think, hands down, is the winner out of those. Um, and then also, really, really quickly, it's just a really really fun children's graphic novel that's coming out in October and it's called Melly Bean and the Giant Monster. I know why you like the name of this. Well, one. <laughs> well sure, but it it gets better than that. Mm-hmm. Melly is a precocious little puppy mm-hmm. and she has a lot more energy than the three cats that she lives with want to deal with. So they trick Melly into mm-hmm. playing hide the shoe, which Melly knows she's not supposed to play, but Uh-oh. they the cats convince her that this is okay. <laughs> so Melly takes the shoe outside while the cats lay in sunbeams taking a nap and digs a hole to hide the shoe and goes through a magic portal. Oh my. And Melly ends up in a world where this poor, poor monster is being put upon by the really terrible king who is over this kingdom. And the poor little monster just wants to be left alone. He's had his magic stolen by an evil witch, and mm-hmm. he just just doesn't want to be bothered with humans because humans can't be trusted. And so makes Melly, a point. Yeah, no, he does. Um, and so Melly is there to save the day, as all precocious puppies are. Okay. Um, it's super, super cute. The drawings are adorable. Like, I'm telling you, like, Melly is <laughs> now, just the now cutest Now Melissa thing. is showing me drawings of, oh, oh, Melly is cute. <laughs> she reminded me a little bit of my own precocious puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, not in looks. Not so in much. looks, no. but in personality. Um, Melly... Right is a very fast runner and Mm -hmm. that comes into the story i um yes i wonder what would happen if we got the cats at the bookshop a puppy um nothing good yes (laughs) (laughs) probably a bad idea yeah so um it's just super cute so if you have Mm -hmm. a a kid in your life who likes graphic novels and likes dogs and magic and this is going to be completely up their alley it's adorable and actually the um the author has a website, and you can go on there and actually see what Melly actually looks like. Melly uh-huh. is inspired by their real-life dog, and as are the three cats that are in there. And um, there's coloring pages and stuff that you can download, which is super Very fun. Very nice. Well, maybe we someday, when things are different in the world, yeah, we, we could have some kind of event. with. Uh, yeah, we could have yeah. a, a Melly event. And it's going to be a series, um, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, because on the spine of it, it has a number one. Yes. But, you know, sometimes that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And then there is one book that Melissa and I read together yeah. uh, for our most recent book group, um, Murder on the Orient Express, Express yes. um, which obviously is Agatha Christie. Um I will say mm-hmm. that this was only my second Agatha Christie book that I read. Um, the only other one I've read was not in like the Miss Marple or the mm-hmm. Perot series. It was just like a standalone. Um, so this was the first one I read in either of her series. Um, 
Well, I, I have read a little bit of Miss Marple, but it's been quite a while mm-hmm. um, since I've done that. Um, we did have one participant in our book group that far and away preferred Miss Marple to Perot. Yes. Um, I enjoyed the the Orient Express, though. I thought it was well done. The writing, um, well, her writing is just... It, yeah, the yeah, writing is great. So and I think I was the only person on the planet that didn't know how <laughs> this ended because I've never seen the movies. I specifically did not watch mm-hmm. the movies because I wanted to at some point read the book. Um, and I don't like knowing how books end before I, I read them. Um, so, yeah, I so I thought the twist at the end was interesting. And I'm not going to ruin that for anyone who hasn't read this. Right. And um, but I think we all kind of came to the came to an agreement that perhaps this isn't her best in terms of developing characters. Right. This is her party trick. I think, um, the ending is very good. And even knowing the ending, I enjoyed the book just as much reading it this time. Um, but I also will not spoil the ending. It, um, no, I think it, it is her party trick. It, it, there's not a huge amount of character development. If you don't know anything about Perot and you just come in, you don't really learn a whole lot about No, him. you don't know. it. Like, you um, come into the book and it's like she expects that you've read the nine before mm-hmm. and know everything there is to know about him. And there are a lot of characters mm-hmm. in this kind of locker room mystery and to, I think a little bit to the detriment because you don't get to know any of them. No, it's it really is. It's sort of a juggling act. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 that that she pulls it all off and pulls it all together mm-hmm. the way she does is amazing. But um, I I would be very interested to read more of her other than just this Perot mystery and. Um, Again, this is not a genre that I delve into often, but I always enjoy them when I do. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I need to jump in there with Agatha a little bit. Well, I'm I'm very much looking forward to finally watching the Kenneth Branagh movie of this. And I've w- I've seen the trailer for mm-hmm. Death on the Nile, which he is doing yeah, as yes. well. And so uh, that makes me want to read that one as well. Which it's like this one is actually tenth in the series mm-hmm. of Perot, and I'm not sure where Death on the Nile falls in that as in in the numbers. I know it's not, I feel like it's later in the series as well, so. Yeah, I don't think it's in the beginning. Um, so maybe before we read Death on the Nile, we need to. Go back and read, read like kind of the, the earlier Perot novels. One or two of the earlier yeah. ones. Um, well, okay. so, so now we're going to turn it over to um, our our buddy Jess, yes, um, from Penguin Random House, and we'll get a, a few ideas or things to read from the new fall list. It's a few things that are already out and a few things that are coming up, and all of them very good. Mm-hmm. And we um, we really enjoy working with Jess. Uh, she's she's just amazing, and um, and a big help to everything that we do in the bookstore. Yeah, we rely very heavily on our reps and their knowledge when we're, we're buying books and deciding what to bring into the store. So it, you're getting a backstage uh, peek into what we do when we buy books. So yes. enjoy. We are very excited to welcome Jessica, who is one of our Penguin Random House reps. 
and who we really enjoy seeing in the store. But since we're not doing that right now, we're, we're meeting for this via Zoom, but just to see another human face that we haven't seen in a long time is very exciting. Yes. And so Jess is going to give us some uh, recommendations from her fall list of books. And I will say that she gets that I like weird stuff. So everything she ever recommends to me, I love. So (laughs) you're going to enjoy these. I have no doubt. Yes. (laughs) And she gets that I like weird literary stuff. And um, usually everything she recommends to me, I love. And um, so, and there's one book we've all read together that we're going to yeah, talk about. Yeah, she gave us a homework assignment. So we're going to discuss that. Yes, too. and we were good kids and did it. You were excellent pupils. You yes. Both, yes. You both yes. rose to the occasion. <laughs> but um, I think she's going to tell you about a few things that are coming up on the fall list, which are very exciting. And, um, and then we'll all discuss our, our homework assignments. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll get to hear a little bit of what we hear. Um, when we're choosing which books to bring into the store. Take it away, Jess. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you both. This is such a treat. Um, One of my bucket list items was definitely to appear on a podcast. So thank you for helping me. This is a a legitimate life goal. So I'm really glad. I mean, I think you may uh, put a little too much faith in this podcast. (laughs) For the 12 people out there listening to us, very excited. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really, really excited. And uh, as both Jess and Melissa said, I, I'm with Penguin Random House and I live in Nashville. So I'm Zooming in from Nashville today. Um, and I do want to tell you guys about some books that we have coming this fall. It's a big literary fall for us. And we have a lot of um, exciting titles. I think the first one I want to talk about, guys, is um, Transcendent Kingdom by Yaa Jesse. Oh, so, so, yes. yes. I should have finished this one by now, but uh, I'm kind of holding it until I have a day off to start it so I can like, just read it straight through, basically. Pretty much. I just want, because <laughs> I love Yeah, She's amazing. She is, yeah. And you probably will read it straight through. I think I read it in two days. It's a, it just, it's one of those books that you get completely wrapped up in the world and the characters. Um, and it went on sale on uh, Tuesday. So mm-hmm. just this past week. And yeah, so maybe you guys know, those of you listening, that yeah, Jesse wrote Homegoing. Did, did, oh, yeah. did you guys? Yeah. So well, she um, was this at is, the Savannah Book Festival, Festival when oh, it came out. And we had dinner right. with her. I sat next to her. And um, after about 10 minutes of conversation, I began to wonder what I was doing at this table because I was not worthy of the, <laughs> <laughs> the level of discourse. <laughs> oh, I don't believe that, Jess. I think you can hold your own. Oh, <laughs> She was pretty amazing though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. She's a force. She's one of these authors that it's fun in, in this um, industry and job when you get to read a debut and then it just blows you away, which Homegoing did. And then you realize, oh, wow, this is, well, first you eagerly anticipate the second book, hoping that it will be as phenomenal, maybe, you know, dare we say even better. And I think with Transcendent Kingdom, it is safe to say that that has happened, which is just so incredible. And then you realize, oh, wow, this is a voice um, that we're going to follow for a long time. Like this well, is the I, beginning. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, I saw a um, article that called her new book, The Publishing Event of the Fall. So, yes. I mean, that's, that's just putting a, the bar up there pretty high. Yeah, yeah the bar is pretty high. <laughs> yeah. It is. Um, just a tiny story from when we met her. So when we met her, um, we work with a classical school in Savannah that's a charter school, and it's mainly for 
um, it's it's for um, underprivileged youth, mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's a it's a great school, and we give the kids books, and mm -hmm. then the author goes out and meets them. And so, she um, we gave them twelve copies, fifteen of, copies yeah, of, homegoing. Of, of Homegoing, and the kids read it. They were junior high school, older junior high school kids, and I was a little concerned about how it was all going to go. Um, they had the best book group discussion with her that I've seen ever anywhere, bar none. And um, it was amazing. I mean, it still almost brings tears to my eyes. And I think it meant a lot to her, too. And it was yeah. just, um, it was a really cool experience. So, yeah, much admiration for her. Well, she's great. Um, she also has a sweet spot for the South, which I love too. So she was, she's, um, was born and raised, even though her family is of Ghanaian descent, uh, she was born and raised in Huntsville, Alabama. So she's done a lot of cool events and, and always been really kind to, to my Southern bookstores, which are the ones I work with. Um, but yeah, so Transcendent Kingdom, I guess I'll just say really quickly, like briefly what it's about. It's, um, it takes place in Alabama. So where Homegoing was this really epic, sprawling novel that went from Africa to the U.S. tracing the history of the slave trade. This is a much more tight novel, and it just focuses on this one family. Um, the main character, Gifty, her brother has passed away of an opioid overdose and her mother is kind of wrapped up in this uh, chamber of grief. And Gifty has decided that um, she is going to go to Stanford and study addiction. She wants to understand how her brother, you know, um, how this happened to him, this overdose. And so she's studying addiction in rats. And, um, fla and we flash back throughout the novel to learning more about her family, learning more about what happened. And so it's just this really powerful novel about family and um, secrets and, and grief and, and redemption. And she does this incredible thing of religion, science, as she grapples with really big themes. Um, so I loved it. And I think that Entertainment Weekly was right not just because it's my book, but it is the, <laughs> I think it's going to be the publishing literary events of the fall. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so excited about that one. Um, yeah. Well, we have a few signed copies. Yeah, left we the do store. have signed um, copies. I um, immediately bought one of them. Well, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, we're very, we're very excited about it. And, and that one's been in both of our to be read piles for entirely too long. So we, we need yeah. to, uh, we need to read it, need and, to read and we gave a copy to Annie too because we ended up with three copies, Somehow. like three arcs of it, which is awesome. And that's uh, yeah, yes, you got a nice little stash. That's yeah, awesome. That's right. <laughs> I'm trying to think. We went, we went somewhere and, and got it back when we used to go places. We went to Winter Institute. Did they have the arcs at Winter Institute? I think they did. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah yep. that, it was one of our, it was yeah. one of our feature titles. So yeah, yeah so it, was, that, it would have been there. Like, oh, I don't know, a million years yeah. ago. God, <laughs> January. It was so long ago. ago. Like. Like, yeah, yeah, that feels literally like another uh, age. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we've actually like gotten beyond just decades and years, and now we're in ages. And ages. Yeah. it's day number three hundred of March. <laughs> in the age of COVID, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so what else do we have for the fall? Um, oh, I'm also really excited about a book that did um, just go on sale two weeks ago, The Great Offshore Grounds by Vanessa Veselka. 
Yeah. which um, is a book that's been getting a lot of really good press. Uh, she's been getting some great reviews in um, some more in like literary journals. And also I saw a great review in the LA Times, Seattle Times. Um, and this is a really big book. It's kind of a, a narrative that just like spools out, but um, the writing is really what grabbed me with this book. Her writing is so phenomenal. Um, it's gritty and it's raw. And she has these sentences that just kind of make you stop in your tracks and reread and, and really take, I mean, she can put like a lot in one sentence, but it's, it's loosely the story of these four um, characters that are family members that are all on their kind of questing journey. So it's a bit of a road trip novel. You meet them first at their, um, at the wedding of their father who tells the two sisters at the wedding that um, they have a mother, a long lost mother that they didn't know about. Um, the woman that raised them, there's a secret and, and actually uh, it's a little confusing, but they were raised by this one woman and then they find out that their father actually had two lovers, which is interesting. <laughs> Both of them got pregnant at the same time and the other lover decided that she was going to leave and go join a Zen monastery and leave okay. the raising of the two daughters to the other woman. And so it's very interesting. Yeah. That, uh, you know, having, that's having not a, a trope. Yeah. Having, that's not a trope. <laughs> Although having, having a mother that, that was part of the um, 1960s generation, I, I can see how that kind of thing would happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How you yeah. would just want to say, you know, I, I don't subvert to the tropes of motherhood and I'm going to yeah. move on. Yeah. Yes. I'm not yeah. equipped, and so here you go. Here you go. So that's kind of what happens. And so the sisters are initially off on that quest to find the long-lost mother, and then their relationship gets more complicated. They have a brother, Essex, who's not really their brother. He was like a street kid that they took in, and he is um, trying to figure out his way, ultimately, by joining the military. And then you have Kirsten, the mother that raised the two girls, that is coming to terms with a serious illness that she's just discovering about herself but it's like the the book is also a really important glimpse into poverty in America because I I read this review and they they use this phrase ultimately this is a book about conditionality how all these characters are experiencing a conditionality that is propelling them in all these different directions um most of the mostly that being the choices that you have to make when you're just back is up against a wall and you know you have no money and you have no options so they're all so it's it kind of has a cultural lens there that uh, I thought was really interesting but yeah she's a really good writer I've come I also got obsessed with her as an author and found this article in GQ which I would highly recommend everyone reading about her experience hitchhiking as a teenager and being fairly certain that she had been picked up by a serial killer who was interesting killing women at truck stops. Yeah, she's had a fascinating life. And I think that's also comes out in the writing because she clearly has done a lot in her years on this earth that she's drawing from. But it's a really interesting article. How old is she? She's probably in her 40s. And this is her okay. second book. Um, her first book, Zazen, was published by a really small press. Did well. I got some good reviews and stuff. But um, I, I don't, this is kind of her breakout novel, I guess you okay. could say. Yeah that we may have overlooked that we need to, to pull out and dust off and put in a prominent place in the store? Yes, it's, well, that would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> 
not going to say no to that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and what else? Oh, I think we, Melissa, you read Bad Muslim Discount, which yeah. is another one of my favorites coming this fall by Syed Mansour. Okay, so fair fair warning to everyone who's listening. Um, you told us about this book multiple times. Like you told both Jessica and myself to mm-hmm. read this book multiple times because you it was so great. Two copies You sent us it. two copies. And we both were like, oh, we don't really like that cover we don't like the cover the cover's not great it's not so because you always have a good track record of recommending things that I really like I decided one night I was just going to pick it up and 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 see and so I started reading it and like I was 200 pages in before I knew what was happening and like I was like oh okay wow this is amazing and so like (laughs) got up the next day and finished it like as soon as I woke up because I had to know and oh my it's Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I'm so glad that you said that. I mean, dare we say, do not judge a book by its cover? Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I felt really so terrible. There's more to this. Yeah, I felt yes. really, really bad because I always read everything to the very end. So like I read the author's acknowledgments and everything at the end of the book. Wow. That's a in, commitment. In the acknowledgments, he <laughs> talks about how much he loves the cover and how they, like oh. the people who did it just got it exactly. And I was like, ah, I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. So it means that maybe our taste in covers are not everybody's taste in covers. Shocking as that is. I know. Shocking as that is. People don't have the same opinion as I do all the time. Um, But I have a hard time with that, too. It's an amazing (laughs) book. I loved both of the voices in the book, like the two different characters. Like, I just loved everything about it. I completely and 100% agree with you. Yeah, I love that it's a book by a Muslim writer. So Syed Mansour is Muslim himself, immigrated from Pakistan. And um, I love that it's a book that uh, centers Muslim characters. It's very much a story um, that deals with, you know, Muslim-centric themes. But I felt like it kind of, um, it, it, uh, really challenges a lot of the myths around the Muslim experience and really I think gives this nuanced picture of what it means to be a Muslim both culturally and religiously that really challenges the idea that this is just kind of a monolithic experience that's really one-dimensional you know kind of like what Kevin Kwan's been doing for the Asian experience Mm -hmm. and you know, really giving us full-fledged, well-rounded, accessible, interesting characters. I think Syed Mansour is a writer to watch that could be doing that for, um, for you know, dealing with Muslim themes. It reminded me a little bit of The Big Sick, you know, that movie oh, that, that um, so did so, that. yeah, which is such a great movie. Um, think- so that's cool. I also wondered, um, I, 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 for, I should have said this at the outset and, and really piqued you guys' interest, but don't you love his love of Jane Austen? Yes, uh, yes, I do. It, and which I know is she is a fan of, of both of you, fan yeah, of the store. Yeah, that, so like, yeah, I love uh, I love that. I loved his obsession with just books in general. Like, I mean, yeah. I loved his relationship with his grandmother and their I know. Thing. And I mean, as someone, like, I don't know many Muslim people. I do know a few, but it kind mm-hmm. of takes, like, it takes the, almost like I know this is not the best way to say this but like the mystery away from it almost you know and it just makes you know these people are everyday people like and and it just there's 
there's funny moments and there's just, it's just so good. Like I just, yeah. okay, it, now I have to read this soon. <laughs> it's like, you, you'll actually really like it. Yeah. I, well, when I finish this Jane Austen, if it has any, yep. Anyway, I yeah. won't go into what I'm, yes. Well, yeah, well, for, for lovers of literature, too, and I think, you know, this is definitely not thinly veiled. I did a little uh, internet snooping on the author, and I think he, I think Anvar, the main character, is a very thin, uh, <laughs> a thin substitute for himself, because he oh, yeah. um, also, the, the author, Syed, really wanted to be an English professor, and his parents were like, obviously, that's not going to fly. You know, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a... Um, you know, something in engineering and he settled on lawyer. So, but now he is taken to writing books. So I think there's some overlap there with him and his main character, but I loved peppered throughout the novel are just great literary references. And that's a big part of the two main characters relationship is built on literature. So they're quoting poetry to but not in a cheesy way because the main character is definitely not cheesy. He's very acerbic, very sarcastic. Yes. Like I, I, Melissa I, said, I, he's I, funny. Yes. <laughs> I love that, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was definitely in love with him. I was like, this is my dream boat man, by the way. A hundred percent. Like, I, I was just like, yes, all of this. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, mean, I think you have more, right? Yes. I do have a few more. Thank you. Um, so the, another one I really love is a debut novel called Via Negativa by an author named Daniel Hornsby. And um, true confession, I haven't finished this in its entirety, but I'm a good chunk of the way through and I'm loving it. Um, I love a good road trip novel. Actually, I mentioned the other one I talked about also has that element. So this is the story of a priest who is, he's great. He's a retired priest who was basically kind of edged out of the priesthood for his eccentricities, his tendencies towards more hippie-ish beliefs and behaviors. And um, he's had a kind of complicated relationship with his faith. Roman Catholic or? Uh, Oh gosh, you know, I don't know that it specifies what level of Catholicism. But he's or he's Catholic though. He's oh he's Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Does that just automatically mean Roman Catholic? Well, it's a complicated. You're my expert on Catholicism. Okay. So <laughs> in, the, in the weirdness of my education over the years, um, so if you say Catholic, it means one whole church. Um, so okay. If you say Roman Catholic, it designates it as the Church of Rome. Um, because some Anglican and Episcopal churches consider themselves part of the Catholic communion. So the designation is just that these are Roman Catholics who are under Rome. Um, Okay. Yeah. So that's the only, um, so I'm just used to saying Roman Catholic because, um, because some of the Anglican and Episcopal churches that I belong to consider themselves Catholic as within the Catholic communion. Okay. Okay. It, it, Interesting. Anyway, it could be a whole nother podcast that nobody would be <laughs> obscure church history. <laughs> yes. I see that as another pandemic project for you. <laughs> yeah. Don't even start on the Dutch touch. Then we'll really go off. The Dutch touch. Wow. Yeah. It's a thing. Okay. So, so you were um, saying priest road so, trip novel. Yeah. Priest road trip novel. 
Uh, I feel like Dan Hornsby would appreciate this conversation. He also, because this is why I think the book is so good. The author himself has a master's in divinity from Harvard. So he's clearly oh, interested in like this book. <laughs> yeah, he's interested in questions of the faith. And, um, but he's given us this great conduit in this kind of disgruntled priest in which to explore these questions. And the book is, is it's all first person. It's really just the kind of inner monologue of this priest as he's, um, he hits a coyote right off the bat. So he's an injured coyote in the back seat who you all oh, distress. Like, I know. And he's <laughs> named him the Venerable Bede after the old uh, <laughs> Catholics. Is he? Is, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this. Was he a philosopher? Saint? Philo <laughs> anyway. I just took a sip of, of, of fizzy water. <laughs> so I didn't want to, I was going to laugh. <laughs> So he's got Coyote Venerable Bead in the backseat. He picks up a gun from a dive bar in Kansas where he listens to the true confession of the bar back um, that she needs to unload and sees his, his stop there as an omen. And after he, she unloads, um, she gives him this pistol. And then we really get to the momentum of the story, which we find out he is going to enact revenge. Well, will he or will he not? Will this be a revenge or a redemption story? But he has a, a something from his past that's pulling him up into a confrontation that we are then wondering if he's actually going to go through with. But it's just great. I mean, he the writing is really dry. There's kind of a a, a little bit of an, a sarcastic snarkiness to um, the way that this man views the world, but he also, the writer peppers it with just great philosophical musings, pulls in history and, and saint, the, the, you know, the saints and the philosophers, and it's, it's just fabulous. I, um, I, if there are any in this weird world, copies available, please. Well, we didn't do galleys of it. I know it's like one of the few that, well, we didn't do a lot of galleys this fall period, but we don't have, but it, it is on sale now. It came out oh. in, yes, it's currently on sale. So it came out end of August. Well, so, if there was ever a book that was, you know, got Jessica's name written all over it. In oh, I know. Neon yes. letters. It's that one. It was a grave disappointment to me when I realized I could not physically put a galley in your hand because I knew you would love it. Um, because we can rectify that and I can um, have my own. You can purchase it one at your local independent bookstore. There you go. You can. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, we can get a couple of them. Yeah. That just works out so well. For the audience that enjoys priest road trip I know. I pretty know. niche market, but I knew when I found it, I knew I, I knew this was the book for you. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to say that I know the people I can sell this book to. Yeah, I, I know you'll probably buy a few of them for Christmas presents. <laughs> you know that's right. Oh, yes. I, I have some extremely crazy, um, well, not crazy, eccentric, eccentric priest friends. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, you have to call me when you finish it, because I think there's a lot of references that I that I think I might be missing religious wise, and I'd love to talk to you about it. I think well, it's, it's job before um, before I bought the bookstore, I um, I ran a seminar for um, for Anglican traditional Anglican priests from all over the world that would come to Savannah for a week long seminar on different and various. Um, philosophical um topics so it was um yeah it was interesting Pythagoras one year we did Boethius one year um 
it, it, um, it was a lot of fun, but yes, that's my crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my people. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, so those were kind of the big ones I wanted to just give you a little like synopsis. And then I had a, I thought we could do like a little lightning round where we could just ooh and awe over okay. other fun things that are coming. All right. Okay. So yeah. like we've got Hari Kunzru who wrote um, White Tears. He has a new book, Red Pill. We want to yes. read this book so badly. It's in my stack of things to read. Like it's, it's happening this month. I'm reading this book. <laughs> I love okay. White Tears. It's intense. <laughs> then you're going to love this. You're going to love this. So that one's coming soon. Um, we also have, uh, well, John Grisham, he's given us his, you know, standard fall legal thriller, but this one is impossible. How does this man do this? (laughs) I don't know. I don't understand it, but he, he churns them out and they're, they're always good. And this one I think is going to be even more exciting. It's back to what's called a time for mercy back to Ford County where okay. A Time to Kill was set features mm-hmm. Jack Brigance, the lawyer from A Time to Kill. So catnip for his old school fans that have been with him for the last 20 years. And he um, was at the Savannah Book Festival this year. And I, I so I had seen him before, um, but I hadn't really um, heard him talk about his wife that much. And the way he speaks about his wife is incredibly sweet. And they, like in his mind, they are complete partners. And when he talks about publishing a book, he says, we publish a book. And I thought that yeah. was incredibly sweet. I think, I know. And I heard, I feel like, I hope I'm getting this right. I think this is right. I think he lets her name all the books. She oh. gets the final, like she named, she titles all the books. I think That's, I heard that somewhere. Yeah. You should fact check me on that before we go live. <laughs> Sure, that, I'm pretty sure that's true, and it's a really sweet. It's a really sweet touch. Yeah, he, um, it was just incredibly sweet listening to him talk about his wife and their their partnership. We also have, um, uh, well, the Quiet Americans just pub Scott Anderson. So this is a big nonfiction history book, and uh, he's the author of Lawrence in Arabia, which people love. So this is which a book about. Yeah. Yes, it was like a big, big, big bestseller. Um, this is about four spies that were pivotal to the Cold War era. So that one just went on sale. We have a very exciting, I want to say, major literary publishing event. But I think, again, niche market. But for those of you that are obsessed with Sylvia Platt. <gasps> oh, 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 you're like gas. all of Jessica's buttons right now. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, priest, depressed English poets. You know what I like. What's not to love? <laughs> Truly. So this book, um, I love the pun of this book in that it's called The Short Blazing Life of Sylvia Plath. And then it's 1,142 pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's more than one pun in there, too. But... There's definitely, definitely multiple puns. Yes. So that one got, gave me a little kick. But um, all that aside, very exciting big, big biography um, of Sylvia Plath. Uh, We also have a new collection of essays, Where I Come From, by beloved Southern favorite Rick Bragg. I know, yes. I feel like we're all just going to want to like head on down to Possum Trot come October (laughs) (laughs) and be with Rick. We we had um, a big event with him. Mm -hmm. It was um, for us and it was so much fun, but we had dinner with him afterwards. He said, He's like, you know, y'all, I don't normally have dinner with people, but you seem nice and okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which from Rick is like the greatest compliment. <laughs> he's, he's just, 
He is amazing. <laughs> I love, he's yeah. delightful. He's absolutely yeah. delightful. Yeah. Yeah. So he has a new collection. Um, and I think that's coming in October. Uh, yeah, I think that's the big stuff. All right. Well, All so right. the stuff I'd be really excited about for the fall. And then we have our book club book, Fortune yeah. Favors the Dead by yes. Stephen Spotswood. Yes. So Jessica and I both read it and it is a crime noir novel set in the 1940s, right at the end of the war. Yeah. At the end of the war. Um, it's got a few twists in, uh, in terms of the characters. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I felt like maybe it was to bring people a little younger than me into the genre of noir mm. as the character I think is relatable for a younger crowd. Um, mm -hmm. It's relatable for an older crowd too, but I think it's definitely. Um, well, you've got the unlikely partnership of Will, who is a young circus runaway, and then Ms. Pentecost, who is yes. her um, private detective buddy and mentor and yes and and willow jane is yeah. her yeah Will, willow jean is willow jean yeah, yeah yeah is her is her real name but um yeah yeah it's a so what do you think yeah i so i read it and i really well i love a good mystery so mm -hmm. i was like okay this and so we've got carnies circus people <laughs> we've got We've got spiritual mediums. We've got like, uh, we have we have a queer character, which I thought was really interesting for the 1940s. Yes. We have a murder in a locked room that at first they think was committed by the dead ghost of the heiresses, of the heiress that's murdered. It, it, was, it was all like, I was here for it. I love all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So elements were piquing my interest right off the bat. And I think, um, I, I really liked it. I felt like the middle got a little bit draggy. Um, mm -hmm. So that might be my only criticism of it, but I do feel like there were enough twists, enough red herrings by the end that I felt like it was a satisfying mystery that had me, I didn't completely figure it out. I figured out one element of it, but I didn't completely okay. figure out the whole thing. So for me, I feel like that's a satisfying mystery. Yeah. I, I think Jessica and I were the same way. Like we figured out some of the things, but not a hundred percent. And there, there were a few twists and turns that I didn't anticipate. So did you know that Savannah played a tiny little guest role in the book when you assigned us? Oh my gosh, no. Did I, I must not have given this a careful enough read. Tell well, me. It says in the middle of the book. In the middle of the book that. Oh, uh, the part I just described is draggy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it said that the one Ariel Bellestrade had spent some time in Savannah as a child but but when she's talking she's like but I won't bore you with that part and it was, it like, was oh. well she was like it was all <laughs> voodoo and cards yeah and, yeah you know, and so it gave the Savannah sort of the midnight in the garden of good and evil um that treatment out here with hoodoo and voodoo and you know I mean they're not wrong well <laughs> every now and again <laughs> Oh, that is fun. I kind of, I did miss that one little detail, but that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the author must have been here at some point in time. Probably. Uh, yeah. Well, and I, I actually, I really liked um, the voice of the narrator. Like I thought I did like the voice. it was, a, I thought it was, um, she, it, 
he told it through her voice and like a good storytelling like and mm-hmm. it's kind of her writing this as a almost like um dr watson with sherlock holmes like he's kind of writing it after the fact you know so that's how she was writing this and talking about like this adventure yeah. um yeah and i i just thought it was a lot of fun and um yeah i i thought it was a satisfying mystery as well yeah um, people have said the um uh, well, when, especially when I was reading the, you know, description of the book, the synopsis, and when I first started it, I thought, oh, yeah, the classic Holmes-Watson, that's like a, that's a pretty obvious duo that you think of. But then I was doing a little more research into the author and his interests, and I got introduced to a deeper cut mystery duo mm-hmm. I did not know about, uh-huh. Noel Wolf and Archie God- Goodwin. No. You no. know about this? Yeah. Well, this put... This put me on a great little rabbit hole onto Amazon Prime, where you can find the old BBC shows yeah, of the A word. <laughs> well, oh gosh, I know. Sorry, do not have streaming video services, okay. so okay, you so know fine. what? It, it's fine. Okay. okay, you're fine. <laughs> well, I have to be honest. I nothing, no, no package from the name whose name the, the man whose name shall not be mentioned no package graces our threshold however my partner has this account on the tv and occasionally i'll be like um I, you know what somehow my thumb just clicked and now i'm watching i would encourage you to check out if you are interested in old bbc shows from the 60s and 70s i would encourage you to check out the noah wolf detective series nero nero wolf detective nero series wolf. oh i have heard of oh, nero wolf Tim, yes my, my did i say noel at first love nero wolf yes yeah. nero wolf and archie goodwin so yeah. That is who I guess Stephen Spots with the author was kind of channeling them as well for Lillian and Willow. Jean. So I hope that because it seems like this is going to be a series um, of books, I hope that Miss Miss Pentecost, Ms. Pentecost, makes a reappearance. I I want to know more about about her. I agree with you. That was one of my other criticisms of the book was we got a little of Willa Jean's backstory, but I felt like we could have used more of Lillian's. I do want to know her story. I want to know more about Lillian. Well, and she specifically says in talking, like when she's um, talking about this specific case that she's like, this isn't like our first case. This isn't our Mm -hmm. last case. This is just kind of one in the middle. So hopefully like there'll be other, she'll talk about Mm -hmm. other yeah and we won't give the ending away but I think you can read the ending with a little ambiguity as well Mm -hmm. even though it may at first seem cut and dry or like oh maybe there's some ambiguity here yeah um well so Jessica and I just read um Murder on the Orient Express for uh, book clubs and it was interesting there are some similarities between uh Fortune Favors the Dead and Murder on the Orient Express that it was it like because I read them back to back and I was like, oh, I didn't yeah. expect that. I read them back to back too. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it, I actually listened to Murder on the Orient Express. It, it was narrated by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. Branagh. Mm-hmm. I say Branagh, but you know, <laughs> you say Branagh, I say Branagh. <laughs> Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, but his, it, it turned out that it was exactly six hours and 20 minutes. And our trip that day was six hours and 30 minutes. So it was <gasps> perfect. <laughs> when does that ever happen? That I, is ideal. The travel gods shined upon us. They really did. Yes. Anytime that's, like, that's like an audiobook lover's 
wet dream. Yeah, yeah. honestly, anytime I'm listening to an audiobook when I'm traveling, it, there's always like six hours left to it when I get to wherever I'm going and I never end up finishing because yeah. I was like, meh. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. This has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> yes. It's good to see you and welcome to the podcast world. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. It was great Bye. to be with you. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for you this time. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with some more book recommendations. Absolutely. So everybody, um, stay well and read the books. Read lots of books and take care of yourselves out there in this, um, well, you know, the continuing weirdness of our world. Bye. Bye.